Welcome to Solidarity House Music and Arts Interview Series. Today we are joined by White Cat Pink from oh. Fort Collins, Colorado. So welcome, White Cat Pink. I'm here with my good friend and comrade. Hello there. And uh, we're going to learn more about this fascinating uh, genre of music and the work that you do out of Fort Collins. So White Cat Pink, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is White Cat Pink, as it was stated. And I originate from the Andromeda Galaxy, and basically the the project that I do it's it's bringing together my influences and both audio and visual influences together into one package, and to present them in a unique way, you know, kind of an electronic music way. But it's a one one man act, so I do everything in in the band. I do all the singing, I do the drumming, I do all the keyboard work. Like I I run that in Ableton Live, and then run all that behind my my drums and I play the drums on top of that and I sing on top of that and run everything out through the PA so and then of course I'm I'm as a white cat when I'm doing that so it's kind of like that next next level experience I guess if you will I guess uh, how it got started it did get started in Boulder I was playing for I was playing with a, an electronic experimental krautrock group we called ourselves Liebzeit after Jackie Liebzeit from Cannes we were playing shows up in our rehearsal space up in North Boulder and one of the shows we were playing was called um, Woodland Calling it was based upon Woodland Calling I can't remember the the artist who did it but it was a it was an ambient electronic piece that we were that we were basing it on and the idea was to was that we were going to convert the the environment of the rehearsal space into an electronic forest environment so we hung electronic tape tape from the ceiling and had colored lights and, and there was an audience on one side of the space and then there was us on the other side and we had dancers crawling around feeding people grapes so it was really really an interesting thing and the idea was to come dressed as an animal that best represents your character at the time I was into such characters as David Bowie is it in, during the Ziggy Stardust days also um, Peter Gabriel during the early Genesis days with all the costuming and also a French artist by the name of Serge Gainsbourg and so those three were like really really the big big mainspring especially Gainsbourg was the big um, mainspring for the inspiration behind why this got started but so um, I went to the costume shop and I was looking for um, looking for something and, and this white cat mask was up on the on the shelf and immediately it just came together the costume came together I mean it's, it's obviously gone through some major evolutions since then um, it didn't look the way that it looks the way that, you, that you've seen it but so yeah we showed up and played that show and then I was already writing music on my own so I decided to kind of de devise a project from that and then it just blew up from there it was really interesting how it all came together. It was me and a friend of mine that lived in Boulder, and we started it together. And at one point, I had a full band. I had I had him running the electronics behind my drums, and then I had a keyboard player and a bass player as well. And then when I when I moved to Fort Collins, it was just too much for them to, to drive. I mean, that's a good hour and fifteen from Boulder to Fort Collins, and it was just too much for them to drive up and, and rehearse. So. Uh, Charlie, who was my friend, told me to, you know, just kind of play around with Ableton Live and see if I could come up with something. And I just took to it like a duck to water and 
started like you know going in and programming things and I found it to be really uh, user friendly and so from there I just developed what I what my idea was was to develop an entirely self-contained unit so that like yes I could have other people come play with me but if you know like there was all kinds of things where people were unreliable I mean either you know they were more interested in getting stoned or just like not very good musicians and weren't, weren't presenting the aesthetic of the music that I wanted so I, I wanted to make sure that when, if, when and if those people decided to leave or whatever I still had the core of what I was doing and I could still carry on as that. As the, the years went by I found it just better to keep it that way because then I was in total control of the final product. I fall in the vein of Kraftwerk with how they, you know, were in control of everything they did in their, their Kling Kong studio and they, they would record everything there and produce everything there and, and that's kind of the ethos that I, I like too. This is why I think I'm so drawn to the DIY scene and the DIY culture is because there is, there is a really amazing body of work that has been developed in this scene that I don't think that you can find in the mainstream necessarily. And it's, it's interesting and it's unusual and that's something that, that really resonated with me as well because like I'm, I'm doing all this myself. And I just recorded a full length album which I've been mixing, I'm calling it Cat's Life and we'll get into that later. But you know I recorded it with a friend of mine at, at his small studio and, and we did the drums and the vocals there and, and like I did all the work in, in my small studio with the, the you know mixing the tracks and everything, the backing tracks. So then then I just took it back there and took it into Ableton again and, and just did a lot of mixing on it and listening, mixing and listening and you know how it goes. Yeah so then from there, I mean, it's just been it's been playing a lot of a lot of different shows in different venues, and I've had a taste of big mainstream theaters, and I've also had a taste of the small house shows and the DIY venues, and some of my best shows have been at the smaller house venues, the greenhouse, you know, the Green Untamed. I mean, people up here just freak out when I come in town and play. I mean, they just go nuts. And um, that, that makes you feel really good, and it makes you feel like your music has a purpose. Some of the bigger venues that I've played tend to be more focused on how many people can you bring, you know, how many tickets can you sell, how many... It's all focused on money and monetary things and things that are not centered around the music. And it can get so stressful at times that the music suffers and the creativity suffers because you're so worried about properly promoting your show and letting people know and getting tickets sold and stuff like that I think that really hampers it whereas in this scene no one cares you, you show up and, and you you bring your artistry I bring my artistry to the table and people can enjoy it for what it's worth you know those who like it can come see it and enjoy it and those who don't you know they can go see something else and it's all cool I mean there's so many different things going on here so that's kind of an overview of the cat and how it got started. I kind of want to go into how you view the DIY stuff because, like, I find like a many like, especially like bands who want to do something different or actually do care about their music and care how it affects people. Kind of reminds me of some bands that I really enjoyed and got the opportunity to listen when they were very small and how they start up, especially how they set up their 
own um, music around the line. There's a band specifically called Algiers that's from my home state and town, Atlanta, Georgia. Very like tight-knit band that have been going on for I think since 2017 or 2016, I could be wrong with the age there, but they've been playing individual band, like in individual shows before then. And they came up together, they decided to work within their own avenues, especially in Georgia. And a great way that I saw them like perform the, of their, like, the care of their music is in a show they had in Savannah, Georgia. It was near uh, Bogeta, and there were just the front run show. It was a terrible venue because like there's barely any sidewalk, but they did there, and they didn't get a lot of money out of it, but they just were there just to present themselves, to show themselves to everyone there because they have a, an interesting industrial soul kind of avenue there and like savannah is all about that goth like visigoths and um industrial like nine inch nail stuff they're all about that so i'm pretty sure only like what 40 people came on there like and they were going at it like it was just insane the amount of like versatility like those people had and like it showed through their how they perform because to be honest like i see many shows they're performing out on big stadiums and big avenues now they're inside with a major record like matador records down in uk and I would, i've never seen it to go to that ferocity as that savannah show was because that was something special and they still understand their roots they still understand that like the importance of like small venues and having that freedom of release their music creativity because they still do some shows down in like the south, especially on venues you expect such a like multi million viewer band not to set up there because like they can only fit like a hundred or two hundred people at most. And it's like from my here from my friends down in Alabama and Mississippi and those areas, they like it's still as like I used to describe it. And also reminds me of another band, Six Mile House, which I personally got to know and that they will produce their sounds down in like their own garages like they will live around like 20 minutes from each other uh, and then just like spend hours hours perfecting their craft um they will at one point they will did something similar to you and where basically you get some people that help you occasionally but they were still in control of that like if their drummer didn't want to play they got someone that that knows the rhythm knows that it was very community driven especially diy stuff with um, most of them merch them creating themselves from their stops like they will spray paint or like paint with pastels or whatnot of their own merch find people personally they know to get everything set up there and like diy culture has a very very rich history and like i just wish more artists came up about that instead of more of either industry plants or having to go through f first a major record in the first place which i feel like has been happening more often now and i really am like enjoy your story how you start that out especially with like the experimental aspect of it and like having it be your own that's really important thank you i want to talk a little bit about <clears throat> thank you for that angel just a reminder if you like the show here you can go to solidarity collective yo or you can go to patreon.com forward slash solidarity house and make a contribution that's what keeps these podcasts coming to you with our fascinating artists and residents from the andromeda galaxy white cat pink yeah. Uh, you're currently residing in Fort Collins. That's not where you're from, though. Um, however, you, you seem to have picked up a few characteristics of some Earth-based bands, and I liked the inspiration that you talked about Genesis. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about the... Not the Peter Gaber Genesis, per se. I want to talk about the Phil Collins Genesis, and I also want to talk about Don Henley. 
because I, I and you're going to look at me like I'm crazy, but that I see a lot of that in you because very few bands, people, groups, whatever, have the lead singer and the drummer be the same person. Uh, I don't know why. I, I, I literally can think of like two, <laughs> Genesis and the Eagles. And so as, as you're in charge of that whole gambit, do you feel, a, a, you know, like more in control at the moment? Because you are just, you're the only one there, but you're, you're driving the music. You're driving the beat. Mm-hmm. Like it was easy for Phil Collins or Don Hanley to be in charge because they played the drums. And if you're, if you're not, you know, you're playing the beat, people have to follow you. Yeah. And so do you, is that something you find that you are more in control and on top of the, the sound because you're right there controlling the beat? Absolutely. So, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword because, like, I am twice removed from my audience because I'm behind a kit of drums and behind a mask. So it forces me to, to find a way to, to reach out to my audience and to project myself. It's a, it's a great challenge, too, because, like, you know, drumming and singing is, is pretty difficult because, like, you're already physically exerting yourself when you're on the drums, so it's, you know, you're winded already, but then you have to find a way to, to sing on top of that. And with me, it's also playing drums with electronics, which are completely unforgiving. If you, if you, if you aren't in time and in sync with the electronics, it just sounds amateur and weird and screwy, so, like... I've honed that over the years, and, and it's, it, it does, it really, for me, it does present that. Talk about your mask. Um, another artist that I'm thinking of is well-known for wearing a mask, and that's Dead Mouse. Uh, giant mouse head. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the music. Does that anonymity give you more freedom in the music that you perform and in the, in the way you perform your shows because people don't see White Cat Pink? as non-white cat pink. Yes, it does. And it's also, um, it alters my, my personality and the way that I present myself. Um, oftentimes in, in older shamanic cultures, you will find that um, masks play a hugely important role. In the West, people often often think of when you wear a mask, you're hiding behind it. And I've been accused of that, of, of hiding behind my mask, hiding my identity. But in those cultures, the mask kind of brings forth a different um, energy and a different personality. For me, the cat is a power animal. Um, it's become my power animal. And <clears throat> when I'm wearing the mask, yeah, I'm an entirely different person. I'm just like different in, in a little bit more hard-edged, I suppose. Maybe a little bit more direct and assertive or whatever, but it just, it kind of frees me up to like not worry about what people are or thinking of me or whatever it's just like here I am here I'm playing it adds a it adds a special element for me to when I'm playing I'm glad that that uh, is the case that I, I really enjoyed looking at the photos on your uh, website what's that just kick out that URL real quick for us so people can take a look while they're listening to the rest of the show it's www.whitecatpink.com and white cat pink is all one word are you on other social media, TikTok, Instagram? I am on Instagram. Okay. It's at White Cat Pink. At White Cat Pink. And I, I highly recommend you go take a look at the costuming is quite 
well, very well done. I kind of want to interject before we go more to the further topics of like, um, but it really interested to me that you use that as like an avatar, like your white cat pink persona. And it kind of reminds me of many of Mesoamerican cultures, especially my ancestral culture, and where priests and uh, individuals that, um, that would be used for certain like um, rituals would manifest themselves as that being. And I know that's very popular within Egyptian culture uh, and some Indo Indo civilization cultures back in um, in Asia, and where they just manifest themselves with their spirits or a god that wants to use their body for certain messaging, and it's not fundamentally the same person's like oh I wear this mask like in the in in Western culture like they wear this mask in the sense of like oh I'm acting out as a character but in, in, I'm putting my personality in this character it's like this person's not different from itself, it's me but more amplified but like especially those other cultures you're not that individual that's a separate one like does have elements from you sure some cases but like especially in my culture you'll be taken over by that spirit you are that spirit you no longer are yourself you're that entity and for that moment you're divine you're different you're like you are that animal but spirit god ancestralness and I kind of just want to see, is that kind of how you want to, like, you're framing that in a sense as white cat pink? Is that this, that's, it's just white cat pink. That is that individual. That is that person from Andromeda. That like, is exactly what you just, what you just mentioned is exactly what the vein that, that this, this project follows in. I do have faith and belief in a higher power. I choose to call it God, but it's just a higher power for me that, that I will let through when I'm playing shows and the the more i'm able to let that through the more intense the show gets i've had some really intense shows and i've had some really just intense playing that i'm like where did that come from i mean it's just it's amazing you know and that's exactly you hit it on the head it's just like that idea of of harnessing some bigger energy and then pushing it out my human design is as a projector so i don't have a i don't have a um a reserve of energy to draw from and tap from but what i can do is i can take energy from a room say say a room of people with an audience and i can manipulate that energy and and throw it around you know that's what i'm really good at doing this this kind of fits into that idea really nicely i'm very interested in the the psychedelic aspect of of that those cultures as well. I do not do psychedelics anymore. I used to, and and I know the power of where you can go and and how you can you can tap into some some pretty esoteric things doing that. So no Timothy Leary for you. No, not anymore. Okay. Not anymore. Okay, teach his own. So <laughs> talking about that, uh, the shamanistic sort of the, the that 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 sort of approach that you have with your music. Do you find that your audience in, shares some uh, spiritual connection with you at that point when you're performing for them, or do you feel that? Maybe you don't know what's going on in their heads, but do you feel sort of a, a, a spiritual connection then as you perform your music and almost, you know, like a ritual that shamans would perform with a mask? And Yes, especially, especially more so in the DIY scene. I find that, that in the DIY scene, people are more in tune to that, and people can pick up on that a lot faster than when I'm playing, say, the, the more mainstream venues and stuff. 
I've played shows at mainstream venues where people like are just sitting there going, what is this? Why should I be interested in this? And, and you get no energy from them at all. But here, like for, the, for example, the greenhouse, I mean, when I'm playing in that room down there, it's just like there's so much energy cycling around because people feel what I'm giving them and they're giving it back to me. And it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. I love that. That's what I love about the DIY scene. I've noticed a lot more audience participation yes. in the DIY scene and, and uh, bands, groups deliberately incorporating the audience participation into their into their shows and and it's I I personally think it's a great idea. I think I really like that music should be more of an interactive experience in my opinion as opposed to just solid not solitary but sort of just a inert experience for the listener. It should be interacting with the music, whether that's dancing or feeling that energy or whatever it is, that's what you should be doing as opposed to just listening. Yes, uh, talking about participation, didn't mean to interrupt really in there, but uh, that kind of reminds me of that of that venue, I, uh, that, that show I met you at, especially with Hex, um, Hex Cassette there, mm -hmm. and how that like satanic and like more ritualistic aspect of his show really brought out that energy, mm -hmm. especially with that w w like one song when he was giving out the, the idealization how like in Catholic Catholicism some Christian sex where you will basically take the body of Christ a little cracker and like a bottle of wine and that participation really made it more like I don't know how to say like properly more feral in a sense more intimate in a sense mm -hmm. and like I've seen that in other parts of like in greenhouse shows so that participation, whether or not that be people from the band moshing with us, people from the band basically sometimes uh, spitting or just like like being out front with it, like like interacting with the in the sense of like this like I, I don't know how to describe best, but like a myth, like a myth making, like you're making the legend, you're making the the story into like that audience, and like that's kind of how the best way I see what you're talking about, especially like. In my experience with DIY shows from the South, especially in Charleston and Atlanta, and where that DIY like DIY energy is strong within like uh, many conservative areas, because like they're not able to express that out openly as they do compared to more liberal areas like Fort Collins or uh, Denver, as I normally see it. So it's like I think just like the way I've experienced it, that's like how I'm like viewing what you're doing like viewing what people like the DIY scene is doing like letting that be a form of energy mm -hmm. and letting it release unlike big shows and big venues all the way in New York, California and uh, Denver here mm -hmm. so um, I want to shift the topic here to something that uh, we discussed briefly beforehand and um, that is your costuming you are white cat pink mm -hmm. um, and you are a tall White cat, a whole nine yards, whiskers, nine lives, ass, and everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. Nine lives. <laughs> um, and so, my question originally to you was like, is this guy a furry? And you're like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. Not everything against furries, I'm sure furries are fine. Mm -hmm. So, do you find that uh, people come to your show, though, in, in, in costume at times or to, to emulate or, you know, to participate? Do you have furry fans? I'm just curious. <laughs> or do you um, even know? You know, usually people, sometimes girls will come to my shows wearing cat ears and stuff like that. Um, I've never had anybody come as a furry or mm -hmm. dress as a furry. People will assume that I'm a furry. They, right. Let's see, a furry or a yeti, those are the two that I get most often. What the hell is a yeti? You don't know what a yeti is? No, I don't know what a yeti you, is. You know, what a, you know what a Bigfoot is? 
Well, I, I know what a Yeti the monster is. What's the slang term? Oh, I don't think it's a slang term. Yeah, yeah, that's what a... it is. They, they think I'm the Yeti, representing the Yeti the monster. Oh, they take those, so they dress as furries, but they dress like monsters. Yeah, they, well, they assume that's what Yeah, they, like they assume that's what I am as a Yeti. Oh, which okay. is weird because you have a tail and you have yeah. like, cat ears. Okay, you yeah. know what? That's, you know what? It's uh, too You know, I looked at those photos. They don't look at all Yeti like. I know. Honey. Yeah, that's just I'm like, like, I don't know no, where you're I'm getting sorry. this from, but <laughs> <laughs> you guys are doing some heavy drugs. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay. Well, that's so. it. I'm, I, see, I'm glad that I'm not, I'm not glad or not glad. It doesn't matter. But that's, you, you You can come and you can be in your show. And it seems like folks who are wearing cat ears are just there to be, uh, you know, white white cat pink. It's like wearing a t-shirt to a Nine Inch Nails concert if you have Nine yeah. Inch Nails t-shirt. You know, so I, I think that's great. And people are having fun and people mm-hmm. are having a great time. So how how far do you range in your travels as white cat pink on earth where do you go where where have you toured across this globe um well the farthest i've i've toured is like the northwestern united states you know up through you know, billings missoula spokane area up in washington down through oregon down through like reno nevada and boise idaho those places in there um, that's that's the farthest range that I've toured in. Normally, like I play and I've done a lot of shows in Denver and Fort Collins and Laramie as well. So, when are you uh, headed out next for your next uh, round of shows? Next show is um, going to be at uh, Julia Lewis Dry Fest in uh, Billings, which will be Ooh. August fifth through seventh. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Any of our Montana folks? Keep that in mind. Well worth the time. Mm-hmm. When do you think you might come back to Larry and me? Not to put some pressure no. on you or anything, but we'd love to have you back. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got to. I've got to get that in the mix. I have to coordinate with Alex and also with the with the with Scott at the the um, Great Untamed. Uh, He's one of my favorite people. He's just he loves white cat pink to death. So who does? Scotty. Scott. Scotty. Scotty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's not, it's okay that they love white pack and that's awesome. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm uh, intrigued. I, I watched the video you had posted on your website and, and I was reading the blog and it, it seemed fascinating. I want to get more, I want to listen to more of the music. So if you're a white cat pink initiate, where should we go to get introductory white cat pink experience? You can experience a lot of music on uh, SoundCloud. I have a SoundCloud account, just soundcloud.com forward slash white cat pink. Okay. Um, there's also Bandcamp. There's some stuff up there. All right. Um, so those are those are a couple of good places that you can go and, and check it out. Fantastic. And what's your favorite piece of work as White Cat Pink that you've done? What, what when you look at your body of work, which one do you say? Man, I'm just so glad I did that song. Recently, um, it would be kind of a tie between uh, Telephone. Mm-hmm. And um, Strawberry Crush, the way Strawberry Crush turned out on when I laid it down on tape, just was magnificent. It was just like, yes, this is this is the sound that I that I'm looking for. I was uh, wandering around uh, downtown Laramie the other night, and with the carnival going on and everything, and, and I mean, it was absolute perfection. I was listening to the the mixes of the Cat's Life album. It was absolute perfection. It was just like. It's like if I could like have a stage right in the middle of all these rides going on and everything, and I was playing, brilliant. Been amazing, actually. Yeah. Why don't they do that? You know. <laughs> that would that would be just amazing. That's a dream show for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to how to do that because that would be 
incredible. And start following carnies around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, like the idea would would not necessarily even be to to be playing the music and have an audience sitting there watching. It would be having the audience experiencing the music while they're experiencing all the other s sensations, like the the smells and the the lights and all that. I mean, all that came together for me the other night. It, it fused, and I was like, "This is it. This is the sound. This is what it is. This is this is what it is." Very participatory, very sens uh, sensory driven. Yes. Um, yes. As far as the music is. Yeah, because I have synesthesia, which means that I see colors when I play music. So naturally, my show takes on that audiovisual thing. It has to for me because, like, I have that extension of of the sensory perception. So, so um, that's fascinating. I have synesthesia. I've I've, uh, I've talked to people who, uh, with that condition, and they either get it for it shows up for letters, it shows up for numbers, it shows up for sounds. So when you play music, do certain notes, like a, does a high C have a color for you? Yes. It does, okay. Uh, and, and that's how you, so when you're playing your music or when you're listening to music, you're seeing colors and hearing at the same time. Yes. And when you see a color, do you automatically associate a sound with that color? Um, it's kind of the other way around. Okay. When I hear a sound, that's it's more like, of that's the, sound. the color. Okay. Yeah, and um, I write music... I've specifically and deliberately chosen like chord progressions and patterns based upon the colors that I'm trying to project through the music. Now obviously that's, it doesn't always work that way because different synesthetes see different colors with, with different notes, Right. but like that's what, what I'm seeing and every time I hear it I'm like, yep, that's it, that's what I want. Well, I think we've come to the point where we want to just go ahead and say once again, go to uh, patreon.com slash solidarityhouse and make a donation. I just want to remind everybody out there that in order for us to have a music scene here in Laramie, locally, for Collins, wherever you are, especially if you want this DIY music, you want the intimate scene, you want that feeling, you have to create that economy and there's only one way to do that, and that's to spend it into existence. That means you've got to go to shows. Okay, and you gotta you got to pay the $10 contribution because that's important to make the artists to provide for the artists. They're literally, in some cases, playing for gas money. <laughs> and also it means that you need to buy their merch. And this is what enables people to continue making the music that you love. Okay, I know that White Cat Pink would love to not do nothing more than to just, you know, rock all the time, but unfortunately, all Earthlings, even those visiting from galaxies far away, have bills to pay. Mm -hmm. And this is something that enables artists to perform the what the music and all of the other things that you enjoy and allows them to pay their bills so that they have the ability to continue entertaining you and bringing that forth. So please keep an eye on White Cat Pink. Keep your ears up. They're going to be coming back to Laramie soon. Most likely the Greenhouse, I'm assuming. Or yeah, possibly, the Greenhouse. Greenhouse possibly yeah. the Great Untamed. Those are our two favorite venues here. Mm -hmm. And so keep looking for that. And finally, where should we go to buy merchandise? I believe that was whitecatpink.com? Yeah, you can go to whitecatpink.com and, and you just click on the merch tab and it'll, it'll shoot you to the Bandcamp site and you can peruse that and look at that. Okay. Okay. Are there anything, is there anything else you'd like to share with us, White Cat Pink? Yeah, I'd like to share my musical influences. Sure. Um, I, I thought we talked a little bit about that with the Genesis stuff, but now that was more of the performative aspect. Mm -hmm. So who was the musically in influencing you? Musically, I'm influenced 
by you know Gainsbourg, by um, somewhat by David Bowie, but more visually by him. English progressive rock. So we're talking like Genesis, King Crimson, Camel, those mm. types of bands. That's I love the chord progressions. Tony Banks of Genesis is is my favorite keyboardist, and he has definitely influenced a lot of work that I that I do. Also, the the German krautrock scene, Can Noy especially is is very influential on me with the drummer Klaus Dinger playing what he terms the uh, the motorik beat, the four on the floor with the drums. Anytime you hear that, that's where that comes from. Is that's where that originated. Faust to some extent as well. There's an industrial band, a German industrial band called Einsturz and the Neubauten, and this is the the logo that they they have. This uh, logo is a Mesolithic pictogram. It's probably about twelve thousand years old, and it's it's um. It's so old that it lost its meaning, meaning, so the band adopted it as so that, that it would get new meaning and represent them. So, and they were, they started off as like, they couldn't really afford instruments. They were, they're, they're based in Berlin. So they would just, you know, bang on pipes and, and metal and sheet metal and saws and like run power tools and run a guitar with it and just like create this music from that. And that's, that's really, really interesting to me from that perspective. Also, you know, electronic bands such as Air is a really, really big influence on me. Um, Mark Farina, DJ Mark Farina is a huge influence. Any of the kind of like home records, electronica, that stripped down, real uh, streamlined stuff is really fascinating to me. For the chord progressions, but also for the, the way the music is constructed, that's that was really a basis for the inspiration for what I'm what I'm doing in White Cat Pink. So I'm bringing that electronic element into it, along with the glam rock element into it, and then along with the kraut rock element into it. I'm putting it all together, and and stirring it together with sort of the Kraftwerk vibration as well. They're they're really one of my favorite groups as well. They're what they've done is fascinating and, and it's pioneering. So it has that too. And then the progressive rock. How about progressive rock? I don't know what like, rock is. So my question, though, is... Uh, I have another question that I, maybe like you would have said... Right there. Perhaps I misheard, but did you say Vast or Vast? Say what? Vast. You didn't say the band, the group Vast, did you? Because that's just kind of part... I don't know if you're familiar with him. Mm -hmm. Solo artist, uh, late 90s, did two albums. Um, I actually found very... I, I really enjoyed It's one of my favorite albums to this day. It's just single... One man band. Interesting. Uh, is it V A with an umlaut? No, just V A S T. Vast. Like it stands for Visual Audio Central Theater. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think their album from nineteen ninety-eight. Okay. Is it's eponymous. Vast. It's just and it's. I highly recommend it. Okay. I mean, it's not yeah. White Cat Pink, but it's a it's a solo artist and doing some. Uh, I think he really had a bad breakup. <laughs> when he when he when he made that album, because a lot of it's like, oh my god, uh, and you know, but I I was always I was very impressed to find out that it was just a one man one man group, guitar, and he does a great job. So give yeah. that a listen, oh, fast, well, and yeah. um, I'm sure they're on Spotify or he's on Spotify. Mm -hmm. I love the, the the early electronica sounds myself. Um, I mean, I I was I'm old enough to have been around when early electronica was first. So early electronica, I mean. I actually heard Kate Bush on the radio when it, when not that hill first came out, awesome. <laughs> um, you know, as opposed to being on you know the Stranger Things with Netflix that just shot her 
all the way to, hey, I think it's awesome that Kate Bush has a number one hit at 63. Hey, okay? If you get it, if you don't get it now, get it later. have a number one. But, I mean, so I'm like, okay, yeah. You guess you're realizing that some of, not all old shit is bad, okay? And but also on the other side, uh, one of our comrades here, Matt, always likes to say that music did not stop in 1992 when Kurt Cobain died. Okay, it has continued since then. There's been a lot that's happened in the musical history of the world. Oh yeah, I, I have to completely relate that, especially when it comes yeah. to synthetic and like post-punk feels, because most people think like, well, post-punk was an 80s thing, it's a gothic thing, it died then, I was like, no, you got people like Health going out here doing that, people got bands called Fearing going in those segments, there's so many small bands out there, and so many like hot hits getting out here that the synthetic music, like, like, um, heavy electronic music is still here. It's not just EDM and just sounds. It's it's full on just like like experiences that you can never describe. Pretty amazing stuff. The yes. uh, that 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 rock and that that music. And I mean, we were just having a conversation, Angel and I, yesterday. And I was like, Angel, I didn't know you were so metal. And he's like, What are you talking about? You grew up with metal. And I'm like, Yeah, I grew up when metal was first a thing. Like I, I saw Metallica, <laughs> you know, in concert. I, you know, and then like, you know, on the electronic synth side of it, I went to Nine Inch Nails in concert and his first first tour on Pretty Hate Machine. So yeah, and then it turns out. Jesus, people are still making really good metal in, you know, this century, and not just this century, this decade. And I was like, ah, maybe I should listen to the radio more, you know, because I mostly just listen to, you know, my music is curated like most Americans. Um, you know, it's like I say I have a channel on uh, YouTube or Spotify or whatever, and it just feeds me more of the same. So you really have to try to break free of that algorithm if you want to get juicy yeah. licks. So, anyway, thank you very much for joining us at uh, Solidarity House, White Cat Pink. We look forward to you coming up here. Yes. One of these days, we're going to turn this into an awesome venue and throw massive shows here. DIY-sized massive shows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's, that's in the future. Keep, your, keep paying attention, folks, there on Patreon, and give us money if you want us to do that. If you want Solidarity House to throw shows, just give us a doubt. We'll do it. Thank you very much for coming. You're and welcome. Thank it's, you been an awesome interview and yeah, i look forward to seeing you in concert next time you come through laramie cool i appreciate it thank you thank you for taking the time with me